great. But here's what he did. Rhyme it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Oh, please just rhyme it. And he really gets into it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Yes, of course. We will you don't even have to think about it. So let's rhyme it today. Rhyme it. Yes. We are going to rhyme it. Just What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Rams Brothers the Pod. I'm your host, Dean, and I'm joined by my brother and the other host of this show, Nick and Nick. We got Super Bowl weekend coming up. Your picks on Thursday, which I can't wait for. Rams have uh, brought in a new tight ends coach. They're looking at another offensive line coach. But first and most importantly, how are you, my good brother? I'm doing good. Uh, I went wine tasting for the first time this weekend, which was uh, abysmal. Truly, uh, <laughs> doesn't get you drunk, but you're still sipping and enjoying the taste. I mean, I don't know. I'm not Paul Giamatti from Sideways. I don't really have a a palate for this sort of thing. But it was fun. It was fun. <laughs> Would you go beer tasting over wine tasting 10 times out of 10? Uh, I, I, I don't think I would go tasting ever. <laughs> I'd like, I, I want to be consuming. I don't want to just taste. That's like funny. I wouldn't go to like a restaurant tasting where I'm just like getting morsels as opposed to the meal. Right, right. And it ends up being more expensive, right? Because you bought a flight and the flight is $34 or whatever when you could have had a nice bottle for 18 or you could have got a nice pass, nice six pack for 12 bucks or whatever the deal is. And instead, you're uh, you're it's swimming in shark infested in waters with uh, with wine tasting. And you made the woman in your life happy, most importantly. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's so. really what matters, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I would argue beer tasting is worse because you just get so bloated. <laughs> like it's just so such a, a heavy amount of beer yeah and they're all like different tastes and there's always uh, yeah i'm not big when you're doing a flight usually it's a flight of ipas or whatever it might be you're tasting a bunch of different flavors of beer and it's it's overwhelming when if you're drinking an ipa and you're an ipa drinker you typically stick to the same four you know th and then you have four of that same beer to avoid a massive headache the next day well there's always so, like uh, a like a milk chocolate donut <laughs> one and you're like what the hat like how is this even a beer flavor so. yeah but uh you know the stouts are for uh the milkshake drinkers and whatever else the hell you like to do on the weekends it's it's all good there's a beer there's a wine for everybody and uh it seems like there's a tight ends coach for everybody and uh, there's potentially an offensive lineman coach for everybody. And there's a lot of moving pieces throughout the, <laughs> my extremely sharp transitions. Uh, there's a lot of moving pieces throughout the league. As we will talk through, the Rams potentially looking to bring in an offensive line coach who we both like a lot. And they brought in Nick Cayley, who is the new tight ends coach for the Rams, which we're awfully excited about considering he came from New England, was there for almost seven years or so. And he was the last remaining position coach outside of Steve Belichick. So a nice lateral move for the Rams as he was hiring or was interviewing for other offensive coordinator positions. Um, and Nick, at first, as I saw the news kind of unfolding, 
I thought that John Benton, Benton was going to be the next um, offensive line coach for the Rams, and it seems like it's still trending in that direction. It would be a Benton and Michael Floor reunion in terms of the background that they have. They've been in San Francisco. Uh, they understand the Shanahan way, and I think that um, in terms of a lot of the unrestricted free agents that San Francisco has, you could be looking to pluck one of those guys who are seasoned veterans and could be able to come in and potentially fill a position uh, of need on the offensive line. So I think between John Benton, they got Mike McGlinchey, Daniel Brunskill, and, and Jake Brendel, who are all unrestricted free agents. So if you can tie together Michael Floor and John Benton, while also potentially stealing one of the offensive linemen from the 49ers, I think you put yourself in a really good position. And you've also brought in another young, rising, like-minded coach, in Nick Cayley to coach the tight end. So the staff is really kind of starting to come together. So I'm excited to see what it is that, um, that the Rams are going to be able to put together. And John Benton, just for reference, if you go all the way back to 2003, he had his first NFL job with the Rams. So he was working with Mike Martz. He was working with Orlando Pace, Kyle Turley, Adam Timmerman, uh, Andy McCollum. Like that offensive line was just nasty. Like they wanted to punch you in the mouth consistently and they were protecting Mark Bolger's blind side, a little bit of Warner, a little bit of Bolger. And then obviously eventually transitioned into just Mark Bolger as Mike Martz had preferred uh, in, in later years in the, the St. Louis Rams regime. Um, so interesting to see that this is who they've sought after. And I think that considering he has the amount of NFL experience that he has, you're going in the opposite direction of what you had in Kevin Carberry. Right, a guy from Stanford who was coaching in college. This is a guy who's been in the league for 20 years and would be able to jump right into position and has a really good understanding of who you need to have as pillars, as building blocks for the next phase of this Rams offense. Yeah, absolutely. You threw like seven things at me there. So let me see if I can <laughs> if I can wrap it all up in, in a nice <laughs> Um First of all, I think this guy, uh, Kaylee, I, I was reading up on him. I worked a little bit today. Seems like a, a young offensive-minded coach that was kind of uh, the bell of the ball in a situation uh, in New England who was there for a while, probably felt really secure there, you know, learning under the greatest coach of all time, arguably, I should say, even though I think there is no argument to be made. Um, but, yeah, like, it, I'm really excited. I think we do have a lot of talent in, in the tight end room with Higby alone. Um you know, and we didn't really get to see any of that last year. I don't know what Liam Cohen had against tight ends. Um, like even, uh, you know, Kevin O'Connell calls that amazing. Uh, what was the tight end like bootleg or not bootleg where he pitches it back to Stafford in the NFC championship game Blanton. Um, yeah, I like I, it's a very versatile, it's, it's supposed to be like a quarterback's best friend and, Last year, it, it seemed like Baker kind of used him a little bit as, as a blanket, but you know, not shocking that uh, Higby wasn't utilized a lot in one of our worst offensive years in recent Well, years. and yeah, the, the Higby assessment's really interesting, right? Because he's coming off of career numbers in specific areas, and he's a little bit older, but I don't, I don't necessarily know if there's an upgrade needed. Uh, I think when you have... No, a, I don't think so. Yeah, I think when you have a, a solid tight end in the kind of spot that he's in. He still wants to be in Los Angeles. He's still under contract. It'll cost you to get rid of him. I think it does make sense to keep him, but then you potentially are grooming the next guy, right? Because we've always been looking 
behind Tyler Higby because there's Bryson Hopkins and there's Kendall Blanton, who's no longer with the Rams. But they were both contributors down the 2021 stretch as Tyler Higby was hurt. So you look for continued development there. And you also are looking at the fact that this is Sean McVay when he was coming up in the league. This is a guy who was a tight ends coach. He was an assistant. He kind of worked his way all the way up in that regard. And then obviously the Rams poached him before he was really kind of ready to to take a head coaching role with any other franchise. And that's, I guess, if McVay sees something in himself in other coaches like Mike LaFleur, like Nick Cayley, and and Joe Benton's a guy that can kind of, you know, not, not to compare to Wade Phillips, but it's a guy that's a longer tenured guy that McVay would be bringing on to his staff. And I think that those guys are limited throughout McVay's tenure. It's Wade Phillips, it's Joe D. Camillus, and it's kind of few and far in between from there. So I would love if they could bring in some experience while also replicating some of what San Francisco does on the offensive line, the pulling guards, you know, the running in traffic and, and being able to bring all these concepts to the table with backs that can get around the edge and really break up field. Uh, I think that there's some excitement to be had if you're able to bring in a guy of this caliber. So yes, I think what we're saying is that this could potentially be a really good hire. And you're also kind of looking to see if McVay can continuously bring in guys that kind of match the coaching profile that he's built out. Yeah. I would be utterly shocked if there wasn't a Higby Renaissance going into in the next year. I love that you brought up Wade Phillips though, because I have just been like, you know, on top of his story in the XFL a hundred percent. I'm super who is he coaching. Do you, do you know who's coaching? The St. Louis Battlehawks. He's the head coach of that team, or is he the defensive coordinator? He's he's the head coach. I don't know if it's the I don't know. I don't think he, there's another guy. I think that is the is the head coach. I think he's the defensive coordinator for the Battlehawks. No, look no? it up. I would know more. Um, Maybe. In other news, Jeff Fisher fired as head coach of the Michigan Panthers. Oh, you're talking about the USFL? No. No, Wade Phillips, XFL head coach, Jeff Fisher fired USFL coach. <laughs> I know Jeff Fisher was fired as a US XFL coach. Um, I Wade saw the Phillips, thank you, Jeff. Wade Phillips, head coach. So he's the coach of the Houston Roughnecks. Oh, oh, he, he is not the, shot in the dark. I had a one and eight shot. He is not the coach. I don't like I said, I'm trying to remember who the coach is. Hold on, let me let me drop some. Some quick XFL knowledge. XFL coach for St. Louis. The Rock. I can see this guy's face every single time. It's Anthony Becht. Yeah, every single time I I see him. Confused. He's a familiar looking guy. Um, Yeah. So I I think the whole dynamic between somebody that's younger and somebody that has experience in the league of twenty plus years is so valuable just to bring into the room and bring into the staff, right? Because you know when somebody has experience, I'm trying to think where he's came from. Let me see. So he was with the Texans, the Dolphins, the Jags, and the 49ers throughout his career. So it's another guy. Most recently, he was the Jets offensive line coach, as we know, and he was the run game coordinator under Rob Sala for the last two years. So you're you're really, if you're able to bring in him, I, I think that, that it, it just helps to evolve what the Rams are looking to do, right? Everything that we talked about with Mike LaFleur, this is the next phase of being able to instill some really cool run concepts and get some of your guys, your key players, your key personnel in the right position, in the right matchups to win games. I mean, you got to look at the draft upcoming. Brees Hall was seemingly that missing piece for the Jets' offense. He was the 36th pick. Guess where the Rams pick in this upcoming draft? 36. 
Mm. So that's their first pick in the draft in the second round. So, you know, potentially being able to, yeah, you want to be able to copy some of those methodologies because the Jets were good. The Rams are seven and four after 12 weeks of the year, this upcoming season. You know, I like their chances to make a playoff push. And I don't like for them to go in the opposite direction based on, you know, injuries, whatever it may be. But yeah, I think they're, they're moving in the right direction with some of these hires. Yeah. I mean, it does feel like there's nowhere to go, but up after last yeah. year. Yeah. Um, you know, a fully healthy Rams team. Like we didn't, we didn't even really see if, like we didn't even see half a season with Aaron Donald on the roster. So like a lot of like where the zeitgeist is on the Los Angeles Rams. I think people just kind of love to hate LA teams. Um, like a, a lot of what I hear on the radio is like anti Lakers stuff mm-hmm. um, and like anti Rams and, Oh well, you know, good thing they like. Thank God they got that ring because it look it looks like turmoil for the future. Uh, and it, you know, in reality, I think Sean McVay might be hitting the you know like hitting the ground running immediately, like maybe contemplating with with retirement a little bit, but realizing like why would I want to leave here? I mean, I know he he has reiterated that he's leaving after you know the core kind of walks away with, which I mean at at that point you kind of want to completely change it up but i'm mm-hmm. i'm really excited i think getting somebody from new england from like you know a solid a, like a really solid um just like balanced core comes from a great culture is going to really really help um offensive line coach just getting more people from the jets potentially seems a little interesting i know see on surface level it seems a little scary i think yeah. for some fans right it's like you're taking two guys from the jets why would you ever think to do that? This is a guy who's had success long before he was with the Jets. Right. 20 years before he even started coaching with the Jets, he had success with Mike Martz and the Rams. So yeah. there should be some some peace and some clarity just Which is that. crazy. Yeah. yeah. That's like so when I started watching football. <laughs> life comes full circle. Um, I think it's, it's going to be interesting with him specifically. But um, then you have Kaylee. Right. So his departure from New England, the Rams is a new tight end coach. It's the only position coach left from New England from the Super Bowl team. I think it was Super Bowl 52, the team that beat the Rams. Uh, he's the only coach outside of, of Steve Belichick in terms of position coaches who were still there from that Super Bowl. Thomas Brown, Nick, he coached the tight ends last season. And while he was working as an assistant head coach, he was also working as a tight ends coach. And, you know, he's previously a run game coordinator. And midway through the season, he went back to coaching the running backs, too. So a lot of different assignments for Thomas Brown moving all over the place. And I think just a little more context in the Rams filling this position in Thomas Brown, who began in 2022 coaching tight ends. He took back the running back role. who's previously um, a previous assistant Rashad samples took over the position at Arizona state. So it, like the team is still very much sorting out roles and it seems like they've always kind of assigned hybrid roles, but for some of these roles, they might just be internal shifts, but just as we're keeping updated on the tracker, there's six eight, or eight coaches left, right? So there were eight coaches that were just let go, were told to seek other opportunities, went back to college. So it's it's really difficult to, to have to go in and then refill these positions, somebody that could potentially take on double duty. And it's a guy that was interviewing for other offensive coordinator jobs. He's a 40-year-old guy. He was one of the Patriots' top assistant coaches from this offseason. Um, and interviewing for an offensive coordinator job in New England in Houston and the Jets. Like to me, this is a home run hire. Like you got somebody that was clearly interviewing for a position that they're capable of doing just because there's so many great candidates out there. Potentially that's why you didn't get the job. 
but he's also clearly qualified to one, be an offensive coordinator and also be able to come in and be an assistant to Sean McVay and a tight ends coach, kind of doing the job that Sean McVay did when he was back in Washington. So you need some of that grounding. And I think that's kind of where Sean McVay's trying to get back to. Yeah. I like him loading up with, with young minds on offense and then potentially we'll see what the Raheem situation is and kind of going older on defense. It just reminds me of that 2018 regime that, that was arguably their, their best team on paper, I think of the McVay era. Yeah. The 2017, 18 team, or it's the 21 team, obviously that one. Yeah. I mean, like the 21 team was able to finish the job. Um, I'll argue to the death that if they played anybody but the Patriots, they win that Super Bowl that year. A hundred percent agree. But yeah, I mean, I, like, I can. I think you can make a valid argument on either well, of them being, being a better team. I mean, obviously, you could say Stafford over Goff, but I mean, Gurley is leaps and bounds over the and and Anderson too. Like that running back room was just astronomically higher. Yeah, I mean that. So that twenty eighteen eighteen team, I think, was so interesting because you could you, like if you match those two teams up, the run game was better, the offensive line was younger, probably more talented. You had plenty of skilled players, and I think it was going to be between Brady or Mahomes in that Super Bowl. So, and you already had showed earlier on in that year that you could outscore the Chiefs and win that game fifty four to fifty one, based on what happened earlier on in the season. So you're going to get Brady or Mahomes, and if you would have gotten Mahomes it feels like there would have been a much better chance for that offense to be able to expose what the Chiefs were rolling out on defense this year or that, yeah. that year rather. So I mean, and it's not like Wade Phillips' old school defense didn't do a number on that Patriots uh, team. Putting up 13 points, that was the lowest ever recorded for a Super Bowl victory at the time. Still is. Yeah. So. yeah. yeah. I mean, Brilliant. that season, and that's I think that's what you – you know, you need a little bit of that. But then there was the other side of Wade Phillips, which allowed 45 points to the Ravens, 51 points to the Chiefs. Yeah. <laughs> These massive lopsided, it was too much inconsistency. And I think once you brought in Brandon Staley, you brought in Raheem Morris, there was a little bit more continuity and trust with the players versus just kind of rolling out the same kind of scheme. And we'll get into what Raheem Morris is potentially going to bring back to the table as we casted a vote because we were curious to see how many Rams fans actually wanted Raheem Morris to come back because it seems like it's trending in that direction. But just to stick on Nick Cayley for another couple of minutes, he was... um, with the Patriots in 15, started in 15 with the Patriots, uh, started out as, as an offensive assistant, as we talked about, and then he ended up coaching the tight ends for the last six seasons, and he also coaches the fullbacks. So keep in mind, Ben Skoranek, don't be surprised if he puts on 35 pounds and looks like Mike Allstott coming onto the field this year. Ben Skoranek, possible lover of Jeffree Star. Did you see that? <laughs> no, I did not see that. Jeffree Star is like this very popular gay man. Um, I, I'm sure he has a profession. I don't know what it is. I'm sorry, <laughs> Jeffrey star. Um, but, but he posted this picture with this guy that he's with and he's calling him his like NFL man. And people, people were like, Oh my God, it's Ben Skoranek. So then his wife took to, took to Instagram and was like, uh, have you ever been to Wyoming? And they cut to Ben who kind of looks like me, can't really fully grow a beard. And it's just like, oh, probably for college. <laughs> so Jeffree Star confirmed not sleeping with Ben Skoranek. Maybe, maybe he'll want to after he packs on these pounds. I don't know. With a nickname like Iconic Skoranek. 
you know, you figure he's uh, he's for the taking. Yeah, he's for the taking. He's in Hollywood. You could imagine any of the top stars are going to want the next big fullback for the Los Angeles Rams. I don't know. See, that's that's what's interesting is they've had some fullbacks in the system for a couple of years. They've had a couple on the practice squad. They finally converted Ben Skoranek to fullback, which was arguably the most exciting time of the year last year, where those no. first four or five games last year, those first four Come or five on. games, when they, were still, they were still playing 500 football. Baker. They were still they were winning games. They Baker stopped winning games after the most exciting time. Tell me what was the more exciting time than when the Rams were still playing 500 football. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, of of the whole year, it was when Baker Mayfield came in easily. easily yeah, the best part of last year. Smaller sample size, and they were so far behind the eight ball that it was like a miracle that they were even pulling out any sort of win. No, I, Ben Skoranek was not my highlight of the Rams season. I'm not it's saying you get either. so offended with Skoranek. I'm not saying that he was the highlight of the season. I'm saying oh, that the, featuring now, him now in the offense flag. as a full, featuring him in the offense as a fullback was when the Rams' offense started to kind of break out of its typical standard empty set going to go have these long developing plays down the field. You're able to develop some kind of run concepts that helped you actually helped you win games. Didn't help you close out games, but it helped you win games. You couldn't could hardly close out the Falcons. There's a Seahawks game mixed in there, a Cardinals game, whatever it was, where those games came down to the wire. But to me, the season was still exciting in that moment when Ben Skoranek was playing fullback. I'm not saying down. the season was only fun because Ben Skoranek was a fullback. I'm saying that I was still having fun and had hope watching them. In those I wrote first down seasons. one word uh, that that describes Ben Skoranek right here. I don't know if you can read it. It says desperation. <laughs> that is entirely where his entire resume and highlight reel comes from. So you know, sorry for not. Well, okay, so okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna paint a picture for you. So, so hypothetically, you know, the, Nick Cayley comes in. It's not Ben Skoranek lining up his tight end, but instead. It's another running back that they bring in. It's the backup tight end. It's Cooper Cup. I mean, we talk about positionless football so much, and that's what made the 49ers so successful down the stretch was that they had Kyle Juszczyk and they had Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey and whoever, Isaiah Mitchell, whoever it was, had an opportunity to touch the ball in the backfield. And it just creates a much greater threat in terms of being able to threaten to run the ball being able to pound the ball consistently down people's throats and then sustaining a lead because they had issues sustaining leads last year, even when they were able to get out on top. And I think a lot of that's due to the run game. So I think with the couple of layers that they're adding in, potentially with John Benton, with Mike LaFleur already, and maybe a 49ers offensive lineman or two, I also did the due diligence to see who else it was that Nick Haley was working with on that offensive line because it wasn't just John who Smith and whoever all Gronk previously got to coach Gronk for a couple of years. So obviously I think there's a little bit of a drop off in fans eyes from where the, the position was in 17, 18, 19 to where it is today after you lose Brady and Gronk. So the evaluation is a little bit different, but um, I'll let you, I don't know if you wanted to chime in here before I jump into this, uh, this grouping of players that I'm looking at, but f- feel free if you'd like. In, in what regard? What do you want? <laughs> where, where do you just, want me? I, I went off on the Skoranek tangent. I didn't know if there was something you wanted to chime in on before I, I jumped into this grouping. No, no, no. Go for it. I've been, no. I mean, the only thing that I will add is I believe Ben Skoranek showed us the max amount 
of what he's capable of. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I, I think if he gets cut, he probably gets picked up by another team and is entirely on special teams. Uh, his role came from us being at the lowest of the low and needing somebody to be able to catch the ball uh, kind of out of the backfield and be like a Swiss Army man. So tell yeah, me, I mean, he was great. He was certainly great in those moments, and I definitely had a lot of fun watching him and going on that roller coaster with everybody. Uh, but yeah, it's it's. I will give him this. He had one of the best glow ups possible because the year before in the Super Bowl run, he had some giant drops in the playoffs, and and in the Super Bowl he essentially gave the Bengals the ball. So I'm. I, it was nice to see him kind of flourish into into what we foresaw. Essentially, essentially I, I the year that that Goff had this year, mm -hmm. and me saying that I know he's better than than what we have seen happened to you with Skoranek. <laughs> Call me whatever you want. You can label me as a Skoranek lover. Call me Jeffrey Star if you'd like. But I think what's mo what's most important is that I think I would still be on your side and I would be on a lot of, a lot of Rams fans' sides as well. If the Rams hadn't won those two games, if the NFC championship wasn't won, if the Super Bowl wasn't won, those were very, He'd very humbling. Biggest hater if they lose humbling. the Super Bowl and that turnover. I know. I understand. I totally understand. We talked about this in the off season, but when you're calloused, when you can't possibly, like you said in the beginning of this episode, Nick, when you're at your lowest of lows and there's really no expectation for you, Sometimes players, especially a seventh round pick, that's when those players thrive. I know when I wasn't accounted for on the basketball court, I could score. But when the best defender was was guarding me, that's when I had some trouble. The kid had a couple of inches. Yeah, I felt intimidated. I was in the starting rotation. There was a lot, a lot of pressure. But when you're a contributor, when you're a supplemental player, when you just have to make one play or two plays, which could then open up the offense and, and bring you a big first down. That's the kind of the role that these seventh round picks can thrive in. And Nick, you can't tell me you won't be excited on third and two. You see Skoranek offset, finger in the dirt, counter, 90 flip to acres around the outside, first down. That's where we want to be, right? We want to have that kind of concept built into the, into the scheme. And whether it's Ben Skoranek, whether it's somebody else at, at tight end, at fullback, they're going to bring this to the table this year. It's not going to be five receivers, empty set, Stafford back, having to go through his progressions and, and make a miracle completion downfield to Cooper Cup. So it'll take the stress off of your best players, which is very, very exciting to somebody who wants to see Cooper Cup play for the next 15 years. You think he's got that much time left? No, of course not. But I, I want to see him play as long as he possibly can. And in that means that you don't give him 40% of the offense. Yeah, I mean, you, last you, year you it, was hor it was horrible. It right. was like everything that they had was was going through cup. It was one of the worst I've ever seen. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, so when it comes to bolstering up the offensive line, if you bring in Benton, you know, you're looking across guys like McGlinchey. You're looking at guys like um, who else is on that? That's a that's a free agent. Let me see, uh, Brunskill. Brendel, you know, one of those three guys potentially joining the Rams, I think would be a big, huge punch to the balls. And I would, I would love to see that, you know, you're taking some, some personnel, you're taking a coach, two coaches that have experience in San Francisco and you're flipping it on them. 
But there's a couple of guys in New England specifically that I wanted to just look at real quick. Connor McDermott, Nick, he's a 30-year-old, played left tackle at UCLA. So he's from Los Angeles. He's from the area. He was drafted by New England in the sixth round. He's coming off the same identical deal that uh, the backup center, John Ferenc, got. So roughly one year, $1 million, nothing crazy there. Um, but he played for the Jets for a couple of years with Michael Floor. The Jets cut him right before the season started, and the Patriots brought him back as he was an original draft pick from the Patriots. He was on IR for most of 2021. And then in December, he went out in 2021 and caught a touchdown pass from Zach Wilson. So he's a very versatile player. He's, he could play left tackle, obviously, played left tackle in college, but it's not a position likely that he's ever going to have to play for the Rams if he signs. And he started at guard and tackle professionally. So that's a guy, to me... At 30 years old, you could bring in on a one-year deal if you have any injuries on the right side. Nick, to me, we were talking about last episode, Rob Havenside's left side. You know, if there's not a revolving door at, at right guard, maybe the, the Rob Havenside production picks back up and the whole rest of the line kind of reciprocates. So that's a guy to be. Connor McDerm- McDermott is interesting. Isaiah Wynn is another is another one. He was the starting starting right tackle right now. He's 26 years old. He's likely going to get a decent deal. He's coming off of his rookie deal where the Patriots picked up the fifth-year option. He's going to be a top-five free agent tackle and one that shouldn't be overlooked. I just personally think that they're going to prioritize in re-signing him, and I think his position of strength is right tackle. There's James Ferenc, who I mentioned. He's 33 years old, coming off of a one-year deal, $1 million contract, same as Connor McDermott. He not an upgrade. Act. No, no, definitely not. Don't think he's an upgrade. Um Brian Allen, Coleman Shelton, you know, you have some decent players there. I don't think he would be considered an upgrade. Um, and then there's Yanni Kajunste. Probably butchered the shit out of that name. Could you stay? Yanni, listen for a second. He's another guy's coming off of the rookie deal. He's a third round pick. He's been injured for most of his career, but he was highly coveted uh, coming out of college. 12 pressures, zero sacks in college. Um, but he looks like he's kind of overwhelmed at the pro level. But those, if you can get somebody like Connor, and this is the kind of guy that we're looking at in the offseason, you get a Connor McDermott, you know, you get somebody of that caliber, you get a McGlinchey, and then all of a sudden you have that veteran leadership back on the roster. And I think that that's what they were lacking last year. Yeah. You make you make Haven sign a captain out of desperation. Joe Newpum signs a huge contract, but you need another guy who's going to be uh, consistent for you. I think – now is the time when they really have to pivot. Um, I think they need to really look at what they have and what they've been doing uh, under McVay and Sneed and realize that we have skill position guys. Like we cannot be going in the draft or in free agency and getting, you know, another like high caliber just like person that is known in the league. Like if you go out there and you get Yadney or somebody that <laughs> isn't of the everyday fan knowledge um, and, and, and you bulk up your offensive line and you give Stafford time to have these developing plays work downfield, you're going to come out and you're going to be able to be a completely different team. And I think it worked for McVeigh for a while it worked for them and like just enough to get a Super Bowl. But what do you do after you win a Super Bowl? The league copies you. You have a huge target on your back. And everybody wants to either replicate that offense or know exactly how to stop it. And, you know, injuries, 
injuries obviously help people stop it, but they were figured out and it was pretty obvious to, to, to any fan. So I think going in and, you know, assessing the offensive line, bringing in somebody with kind of old school football knowledge is exactly what I want to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. John Benton's that guy. Yeah. We talked about Mike Munchak. He could be another guy from the Steelers. He may not get a job offered to him this year, but I think between Benton and, and main check, those are the two that we'd be looking at. And I think Ben's going to get the job. He was yeah. interviewing six hours ago with the Rams. So I, I have faith. Um, wow. In, By the time we're done this podcast, there could be information regarding check Twitter, check Twitter right now. He could be, uh, could already be hired. Shit, yeah. shit moved so quick yesterday during the pro bowl guys were getting hired. So interesting. So, Hires around the league in terms of defense coordinators as we continuously keep our eyes on Raheem Morris. Vikings got Brian Flores. Pretty nice signing for them. Uh, Dolphins got Vic Fangio. We saw the Panthers got Ajiro Avero. A little bit upsetting. You know, we like the Giro. We want him to be back in Los Angeles, but it's okay. I think the Panthers are building something fun over there. And yeah. Nick, I know you talked, to me, you talked about Tom Brady to the Panthers a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, it's not going to happen as Tom Brady's pursuing retirement, but these are the kind of things that make that that job more appealing. So if you're a veteran quarterback, you're a veteran player, that might be a destination of, of somewhere you'd want to go. Browns brought in Jim Schwartz. That is the complete opposite effect. Everything that I just said about it, Giro Vero, Jim Schwartz does the total opposite for you. And then there's Ryan Nielsen went to the Falcons and Joe Woods went to the Saints. Um, but the Raheem Morris vote that we casted. This is I, – I have so much I want to speak on about this, so please – yeah, Show sure. I'll, I'll let you kick it off. Um, Hope the poll that we ran. So, Go ahead. to my knowledge, it felt like, and this is just on the part of Rams Twitter that I am on, and I know there are different subreddits and subsidies of Rams Twitter, that everybody but me was on the we do not want Raheem back. Uh, I would like to see him go somewhere else. Like I can't wait until the Colts hire him and he's their problem and blah, blah, blah. And out of 1,423 votes uh, on the pool that we ran on Twitter, 58.6% of you said that you want Raheem back and you're on my side. So I, I mean, that is um, just alarming, but it, it does make me feel like maybe the Rams – will be more comfortable with bringing him back as opposed to letting him walk. I thought for sure he was going to get that Colts job. It is amazing how long the Colts are taking. And I just have no idea. Like it is now becoming unappealing if you are a head coach candidate, because who are you going to hire as your staff? I mean, like, like everybody is getting picked up. It seems and now, even if Raheem does get picked, like we're kind of also existing in this limbo as well, where if he leaves, now we got to kind of run around and find somebody. Our 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 number one, uh, you know, Avero w- was scooped up, so yep. it's gonna be it's gonna be really really interesting to see how how the chips lie. Um, I and for that reason, mainly that reason alone, and. And the length and the extent of these cult interviews is partly why now I, I like a million percent want them to bring back Raheem. Well, yeah. And then also news broke that um, he would be taking staff members with him. Are you, how are you going to lose? You've already lost eight. How could you possibly lose Raheem and more staff members and rebuild the staff overnight? 
Like it, it almost is like a move that you have to block. And as you're aware of Nick, we were talking about how he was getting head coaching interviews. Like this was a guy who we were like, he's not even going to be a defensive coordinator. He's going to potentially be a head coach. And look what happens. He winds up being the defense coordinator for the Panthers. If Raheem goes to the Colts, and this is, a, this is almost an entire month, this interview process. We're going on the end of four weeks that the Colts have been looking for their head coach. If this happens and Raheem gets scooped up, of course we're going to get the third-round pick, the comp pick for whatever the, the rule is, the name of the rule is, because he's going to be a head coach with a different team. Uh, and it's that, to me, is, is all fine. But like there's the, the aspect of him, and there's so many nuances to this, is potentially him bringing other coaches with him. You know, you have to learn a brand new scheme. Maybe you go back to the Staley scheme, which Aaron Donald was originally on record saying that he's not a fan of, right? So then you're kind of having to reteach this scheme that was implemented three years back when instead you could have a defensive coordinator who won a Super Bowl back in his third year. Finally, some continuity with the Rams' staff, is, which is what everybody wants, is you want your guys to be able to be retained and to have your players play for somebody that they love. And... um if he goes, you lose all of that. I know for a fact, we all know, I, Ramsey, I think, plays his best, similar to how Wade Phillips let Marcus Peters kind of make his own decisions. <laughs> you know, like, I, I, he had this great quote where he was like, you know, sometimes it's like you feel like, like, like you're playing against the casino. Marcus Peters is the casino. Um, and like, kind of just like, kind of give him free reign. Like the guy's a baller, which is exactly how Jalen would talk about how like Raheem, like kind of lets him off a leash and is like, you know, he, he gives us that right to kind of play off these guys. So we can potentially make a big play. Um, I, it's a person it's it, it that has, has been there in the big moments. Like you said, has won, has come through. I mean, that fourth quarter, third and fourth quarter in the NFC Championship against San Francisco. Perfection. And the Super Bowl. Like, they get nothing in those two games. And if it's, not, if it's not for the T. Higgins face mask, the Rams win that game, what, 23 to 10? Is yeah, it even I mean, take out the face mask, take out an OBJ injury. Like, we have our feet up that entire game. But That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, okay. I last year, you cannot – Really, I you kind of got to take a mulligan for the entire year, and obviously it's going to leave a sour taste on most people's mouths because we watched like Tom Brady like beat them with like you know two minutes left, but less than that. But once again, the defense had a huge fourth down stop. They the defense should not have been back on the field for that. Yeah, Seattle came down and and you know drove and beat us at the very end of the of of both games. Blah 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 against them this year, swept by Seattle first time. Our team was so out of it. We had nothing to play for. Seattle was gunning for a playoff spot. Um, yeah, I mean, to me, Raheem is the is the 100% right move. But also, alternatively, if you're the Colts, out of those candidates, I also think he's 100% the right move for them. Um, but I, at this point, if I'm him, I would be like – I like, you know, there's not a lot of people left. I kind of really don't want this job anymore. Yeah, this is kind of nuts, right? Yeah. How many, how many sleepovers can you have at Jim Mercy's house? How many cigars can you smoke? 
How many, you know, how many drinks can you have at night while you're sitting by the fire in Indianapolis? There's only so much that can be done in an interview process. And these 12 hour vigorous interviews are just extremely interesting. But I think like with Raheem, like you mentioned, Nick, like he is the embodiment of who you'd want as a defense coordinator. Of course, I understand soft coverages and soft zones are not to anybody's liking. It's a boring way to watch football, and it seems like your team is consistently getting gashed. But when you lose out on somebody like Von Miller, you lose Darius Williams, which is the opposite side of Jalen Ramsey. You lose somebody like Eric Weddle. You lose Jordan Fuller, who you thought was going to be somebody who was going to be healthy, consistent down the stretch. Like the whole back end of your defense, the opposite side of your best player outside, and your defensive line, the pass rush starts to crumble. And all the while, your offense is bottom number 32 in the league. You're the worst offense in the league. So clearly the defense is going to look different. You have to kind of pick and choose moments throughout last year where you felt like the defense shined. And Nick, if, if you know the way that the zone coverage works versus man and, and great players in this league, you know that great players can play in any scheme. Like that's this is Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey is the perfect example. When you're in zone, you're capable of, of looking like you made a huge mistake. When, when you're off, your timing's off by a hair, or you've done your assignment and somebody else has blown theirs, you're the one that looks like you're vulnerable. But when you're playing man, you know those mistakes are, are all on you. And I think that that's the situation that they're kind of migrating towards, was that you know corners playing in man, they people will argue that they have the simplest task in football. It's very, very straightforward. You got your man, and that's it. And it's cover the guy and don't let him catch the ball. But corners so playing so hard. Yeah, well, corners that that play in zone schemes, they have to be aware of the deep threat, the peripheral threats, the route combinations. If a, you know they're passing off a guy to another guy, they have to pick up another player. If something unfolded and there's a skew in the coverage, and there's so many things can change pre-snap, post-snap, whatever it may be. And I think that it's when you don't have the personnel to be able to play the bend, don't break defense, and you don't have the pass rush to be able to match the bend and don't break, that's when it shows vulnerabilities. And you have rookies in roles, like I'm talking about personnel, if they are passing along the wrong assignment to another player, or they're not instinctual enough, or they're still learning the scheme, that's where it feels like you can lose out on uh, on having a great defense. So, Yeah. I At this point, if we don't have Raheem back, I'm kind of – I feel a lot worse about the offseason just in general. Sure, same. Yeah. Same. So I, I think that that 59%, 58-point, whatever it was, would would be skewed up if everybody had the full context. Yeah. And you knew exactly who he was going to take with them, and you knew how Jalen Ramsey was going to react. That's why I liked Giro Averro as a potential replacement because I felt like there would be no drop-off from coach to coach – from player to coach, like that, all that stuff is really important. Yeah. What's our uh, producer's name? Keith. Does he does he go by Keith? Producer. And yeah. In reality, we don't have one, but I just I just wanted to say to to Keith. I mean, in reality, it's me and Dean, but whatever. Uh, Keith, turn on the uh, turn on the, the the TikTok camera. I want to make a make a direct uh, line to Raheem. Uh, Raheem. It's Nick, your old college pal. Um, I I need you to come back. I need you to be a part of the member of the Rams house, the basement, the strongest part. And I need you to send more blitz packages next year because the league is all about 
sending big numbers. So I send the blitz, get Ramsey in there, let him work on the Cooper rushes of the world again and sack some, some, you know, some of these lazy quarterbacks. And thank you. That's all. That's all. Give me up. <laughs> I'll see you Thursday for poker. <laughs> yeah. Pass rush is so important. And I, you know, doing things like adding Michael Hoyt to the, to the edge and you moving some players around last year. It was a little bit of desperation trying to see what you had in Durant, trying to see what you had in Russ yeast, what you had in Kendrick. And it's so important. You have to just be an instinctual and extremely intelligent cornerback in order to play in his own scheme as detailed as, as Raheem's. And it looks like you're just playing the soft coverage or it's taking it nice and easy. But when there's multiple assignments moving around, you see why Ramsey freaks out at times and you have young safeties on the back end. It becomes really difficult to understand how to do that. And to keep, if you're not keeping anything underneath and you know, you're, you're just going to get yourself in trouble. So I think that that's who you need. You need Raheem. You need him to come back. And if you don't have him, you got to do even more work to replace the other two, three coaches that are going to go with them. So that's our guy. And uh, when the Rams defense is back to being the way that they should be, this is what everybody's going to say. I owe you an apology, Raheem. I wasn't really familiar with your game. <laughs> Which just kills me because these Rams fans are familiar with the game. They've seen it. They watched it throughout the entire playoff run of last year. But right. whatever, it's fine. Just act, it's okay. act brand new. I guess that's what LA is good for. Fans get impatient. You know what? It, listening to Lakers radio, it's. I know it. Listening to Philadelphia radio, people get impatient. You want to move on to the next thing, and and the Rams have this instant gratification going on with their franchise, where it seems like you can make one move, and then all of a sudden you're back in the position where you need to be. So this is about like five one. years of glory. So yeah, right, exactly. This isn't the one. Let's keep Raheem. Raheem, we love you. Yeah. And Rams fans, we love you also. Make sure you like, subscribe, get in on the action. And uh, Nick, before we leave, should I read us a word from our sponsor? Oh my God, thank God that you remembered. (laughs) Bet online, Nick. um, Not even going to read that first line. Make sure that you use your your promo code. Gentlemen, (laughs) start your agents. Promo code believe. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. You deposit 50, you get 100. Great, 50%. Promo code believe, B L E A V. Basketball's back, football's back. It's always been back. And this is the same ad. So, promo code believe, and we love you guys. Thanks for listening. Yeah, uh, NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, golf. Promo code believe. Check it out. Bet online. Give us the money. Thank Nick, you. you. The money. Your bet money. We're not your bookie. It doesn't come directly to us, but I appreciate it if you were to use this website. So thank you very much. Also, Jared Goff touchdown in the Pro Bowl. February touchdowns. Jared Goff. What can you say? I don't even know if anybody's going to make it all the way to the end of this podcast to hear that. And I would assume that nobody even watched it because it almost put me to sleep. Yeah, well, the NFC won thanks to Pete Davidson and Eli Manning, so bet cash. <laughs> you're right. You did say you weren't going to bet. You're going to give me another chance to bet against Eli. I remember you saying it. No, no, I said bet with Eli. I would never bet, bet against Eli, my right. boy. Right. Can't bet against your boy. That, but that little brother dynamic, man, I'll tell you what, it's interesting. Thanks for listening. Well, we love you guys. Like yeah. and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Dean's going to cut me off. I was going to talk more about the Pro Bowl. See you guys later. Pro Bowl. Who wants to hear about that? Peace.
Peace. Peace, peace. peace.